Welcome to this Business Travel News podcast. I'm Andy Hoskins and I'm Editor-in-Chief of BTN Europe. Joining me for this In Conversation With episode is Richard Adler, Vice President of Sales for the UK and EU and Strategic Accounts for Millennium Hotels and Resorts. Uh, Richard, good morning. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, we were due to speak yesterday, but uh, you were called off to some rather more urgent matters, uh, such as the hospitality industry. Can't imagine what's more important than this, but um, good, good to speak with you now. Indeed, yes. Thank you. Uh, so uh, let's start. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your own background. So my background is I'm a career hotelier. Um, this is my 32nd year in the industry, um, unbelievably. Um, and primarily, I've spent most of my career in sales and or marketing. Um, for most of the last eight years, I've been working for Millennium Hotels based in the London office. Um, I head up the UK and European sales teams, and I also have a global responsibility for our key strategic accounts that impact not just my region, but the wider portfolio as well globally. Okay, great. And so just tell us a little bit more about Millennium, because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a global brand, you have a global presence, but it's not amongst the world's biggest groups. So um, just give us an idea of the sort of markets you're serving there. Absolutely. Um, well, we are a, a portfolio of approximately 120 hotels. Um, our model is slightly different in that we own a number of our hotels. Um, you know, we talk about asset light in our industry, but we refer to it as asset right. Um, and our owners are very much owner operators. Um, we have a franchise relationship with a partner in the Middle East, but <clears throat> excuse me, most of our hotels are owned and operated by ourselves. In terms of our global distribution footprint, we're in all the key gateway cities. So London, Paris, Rome, New York, Singapore, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we are not the largest, as you say, but we feel that we serve the key gateway cities and secondary and in some cases tertiary cities as well for our key clients. Thanks for that. And, and how about the history of the group? Mr. Quecklane Bang, our chairman, um, created the company um, in the mid to late 90s. And we've grown steadily through acquisitions during that period. Um, our key brands within the portfolio are Millennium Hotels, Copthorne Hotels, Grand Millennium Hotels. And we also have a couple of boutique style brands, the Lengs Collection and our M Social brand as well. OK, well, and, and in terms of the, the regional markets you're in, can you talk us through the state of play in each of those at the moment? So how business is faring in Europe, Asia? Uh, Middle East? I think challenging is the word to use with due sense of understatement. I, I think if we start with the UK, I mean, effectively, the UK is cut off from the rest of the world for the foreseeable future. Um, and the demand that we're able to generate currently is driven by, you know, permitted categories of traveller. You know, there is no leisure business currently, um, but we are still able to trade and, and look after and welcome guests from the sort of key and essential worker markets, as well as construction, manufacturing, retail, et cetera. Um, within Europe as well, um, our Paris hotels, unfortunately, are closed at the moment. I mean, their lockdown is also supplemented with a curfew every evening as well. Mm. Um, a hotel in Rome is open um, and continues to trade relatively well against the market. I mean, around the world, it, it's very much a mixed bag. Um, the hotels in China are very much on a recovery trajectory. Um, the U.S. hotels tend to vary state by state. I mean, there's obviously, as you'll be aware, 
no federal approach to lockdown. It very much is state-led. Mm. And then the, the Singapore hotels, we are starting to see some signs of recovery. Um, but I think it's fair to say that we are in for a very long, prolonged, drawn-out recovery until we get back to the levels we saw in 2019. Yeah, if uh, if we ever sort of reach those business travel volumes again, I mean, there's been some talk that um, that's either several years off or or it's simply not going to return. But um, I guess mm. we'll wait and see on that. With your um, with your UK hotels, are, are they all open at the moment? They're all open, with the exception of three. Um, so we've decided during the, the latest lockdown to continue to trade. Um, but the three hotels that are closed currently, we are planning to open during the spring. Um, and at the moment, that's slated in for April, um, subject to restrictions being uh, eased. Yeah, well, let's hope they are. Um, and and uh, in China, we're, we're hearing domestic travel in China is um, almost back to sort of normal levels. Is that are you witnessing that in your hotels there? Yes, indeed. Um, and, and talking to my counterpart there, they are seeing um, a return to leisure travel and obviously business travel as well. Um, you know, the, the, the $64,000 question is when China will be able to travel outbound for the benefit of the rest of the portfolio. And with our Singaporean Chinese heritage, you know, we understand the Chinese traveler very well, um, particularly from a, a, a corporate groups and corporates perspective. And we really do miss that in our hotels internationally at the moment. I guess in terms of strategy and planning ahead, are your, are your plans all based around successful vaccine programme rollouts? Yeah, it, it's interesting. The, the reason I delayed our meeting yesterday was we're looking at our forecasts now and trying to understand when we'll see a sustained recovery. Um, and I think, you know, sitting here in London, we, we will see signs of recovery once the, the vaccine reaches critical mass. I suppose the, the key issue is when other countries get up to critical mass and when they're able to travel as well. Uh, you know, it's pleasing to see the United Kingdom you know, charging ahead in terms of vaccination numbers, but you know, other countries haven't been as successful as, as, as of today's date. Yeah, so uh, we might be uh, stuck on our island a little longer. Indeed, indeed. Um, so the UK's uh, hotel quarantine programme got off to a, a sort of stuttering start yesterday. It officially opened, but the website wasn't available for much of the day. I believe there are 16 hotels involved in that programme. Have uh, Are any of your hotels on that programme? I know you, you have a couple around Gatwick Airport. Well, we're in discussions with government right now on a number of opportunities, um, and you'll appreciate that those discussions are confidential, so I'm not really in a position to comment any further on that right now. Yeah, I, I thought that might be your answer. Um, and how about in New Zealand? You, you obviously have a big presence there, and there's also similarly a hotel quarantine programme there. Have your properties been involved in that one? Yes, they have. Um, a couple of the properties, particularly in, in Auckland, um, I mean, effectively New Zealand is, is shut down to international travel for the foreseeable future. Let's talk about business travel recovery then, if we can call it that. I mean, when are you uh, hoping for an upturn in Europe? I think from our point of view, we're sort of seeing the middle of quarter two, um, you know, get Easter out the way, get everyone back to work and hopefully the school's back functioning. And I think, you know, in conversation with some of our key customers, there is a lot of pent up demand there. And I think there's only so much you can do, Andy, over Zoom. Um, and I know with my team, as great as it is to talk to them over Zoom or Teams or whatever, there's nothing quite like getting in a room and, and having a conversation. 
Um, we are seeing some tentative signs of inquiries for meetings and events toward the back end of this year. Um, and a number of key clients are very keen to not only get their, their colleagues together, but also to start presenting and selling to their own customers as well. So we are starting to see some very, very tentative green shoots in terms of recovery from that market. Um, but, you know, right now we, we have a base of clients that I would characterize as having to travel, obviously. Um, but there is certainly in conversation with a number of customers I've spoken to this week, an, an overwhelming desire to get back on the road again. Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing that appetite, sort of pent up appetite there. What are in, in the hotels that are open now? What sort of occupancy level do you need to, to make it worth opening? It, it really does vary hotel by hotel, if I'm honest. But at the moment, all of our hotels that are open are viable, um, you know, in terms of the occupancies they're achieving. Um, we've had to obviously re engineer our offering um, in terms of the overall guest experience from check in to arrival, to how we serve breakfast currently to the rooms as, as it is. And, you know, we've had to look at every single customer touch point. Um, and we, at the same time, have rolled out a global program called We Clean, We Care, We Welcome, which covers 10 key hygiene hallmarks, which are designed to give our guests, and for that matter, our staff, a level of assurance that we've enhanced our cleaning and our hygiene protocols as well during their stay. Yeah, that's obviously um, key for building traveller and corporate confidence. I guess an interesting point is how long these new protocols will be in place for the hotel industry. I, I think if I'm honest, and I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, when you look at the level of security that came in into the airports after 9-11, it's still there. I, I think those protocols and hygiene levels are here for the foreseeable future. Um you, you know, I think a, a level of expectation from our customers now will be that those enhanced levels are in place and enforced rigorously as well. Part of the uh, new normal. In, in, indeed. And, you know, we, we've had to, for example, look at how we post lockdown and post the restrictions. You know, I think a breakfast buffet or a meeting buffet is the thing of the past, um, certainly for the foreseeable future. And we're looking at creative ways that we can deliver, for example, a, a meeting and events you know, their lunch or their, their dinner, et cetera. And, and obviously in terms of social distancing as well, because I think everything I've read and everything I've heard is that social distancing will continue. So, you know, the, our ability to run large scale events will be reduced, but we've also seen demand for clients to run hybrid events. So where they would have had 500 people at the Millennium Gloucester for a conference, they may have 100, but 400 people are dialed in via Zoom or Teams or, or whatever. Yeah, so the, the group's obviously pivoted to enable that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, going back to my earlier point, we, we are a relatively small brand. Therefore, we're able to do things relatively quickly. Um, and going back to my earlier point, being an owner-operator, we're able to make decisions based on the long term and trying to understand the trends around corporate travel and, and meetings and events for that matter. Okay, well, um, another another sort of industry subject that keeps coming up is is consolidation. Uh, we've seen it among travel management companies, expecting to see some more among airlines. Um, and there's been some significant hotel group mergers in recent years. Mm. What, what's, your, what's your sort of view on that? And uh, is, is there any appetite at Millennium for, for such activity? Um, there's always appetite. Uh, and I would characterise the acquisitions that we've done on my watch as single properties. 
Um, you know, we, we tend to acquire properties opportunistically and, you know, we have obviously the appetite to look at larger scale acquisitions. So, yes, I, I think for the right fit in the right market where we have a gap in our portfolio, yes, we're, we're, we're always open to that. So is it um, more or less on the agenda than it normally would be at the moment, given the circumstances? I mean, there might be some some easy pickings out there. Yes, and I think it's fair to say that there are a lot of distressed businesses out there, not just in our industry. Um, but, you know, I think for the right fit and in terms of, you know, our overall operating model, we would we would always run the rule over it if appropriate. <clears throat> are there any international markets or, or countries where you would like to have a greater presence? Um, I think always when, when you look at the primary cities, you can, in my personal opinion, you can never have enough in terms of it your overall presentation. I mean, obviously in London, we're quite skewed toward West London. Um, you know, I, I personally would like to see a more of a presence in, in London. That's interesting to hear. Let's talk a little, bit, a little bit about rates. A lot of hotel groups during the pandemic have, uh, in terms of their negotiated rates with corporates, have simply offered to uh, roll those over. Is, is that the action you took? We took that decision last July um, and, and we took the decision to essentially hold the rates to the end of this year. Um, we've also implemented dynamic pricing as well for our clients as well, um, just to give clients that extra flexibility. And, you know, in a distressed market where the bar rates will obviously fluctuate quite differently, we wouldn't want our clients to, to miss out on that. I mean, obviously, you know, RFPs are still proceeding and we'll still participate in those, but we've actually taken a global approach to extending our rates to the end of this year, you know, to give clients certainty and, you know, to, to give us also on our side some certainty as well. So as and when markets return, that we see those key customers returning back to us. Yeah, it was interesting to read um, some figures from a TripBam report, the uh, hotel reshopping tool this week. But um, on a global level, I think publicly available rates have dropped um, very close to the average sort of corporate negotiated rate. So that mm. that I mean, the, the the savings potential has been eroded a little bit there. Mm. But but on the other hand, you know, we've given travel managers and their TMCs some security in terms of you know, the rate they had agreed with us, we've extended. And, and I think to benchmark production against last year is a bit pointless, really. So, you know, we're just basing it on an overall long-term strategic partnership we have with our clients. Sure. And and you mentioned RFPs. Um, is activity there a little quieter than normal? Not really, no. Um, in, interestingly, we are still seeing the, the volume of, of RFPs coming through. Um, whether it's just a benchmarking exercise or just to, you know, ask us the health and safety questions linked to hygiene and, and all the rest of it, you know, we, we very much see that volume still coming through. And are they more time consuming now, given the, the sort of extra criteria that, that, that they incorporate? Um, they are in the sense that, you know, we need to make sure that we're compliant. And, you know, it, 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 you know back in the day when I started out on RFPs, it was, you know, a rate linked to volume, but obviously... There are a number of different criteria linked to CSR or to health and hygiene, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it, it takes more in terms of getting on board, you know, our legal team, our finance team, if, you know, payment or bill back is required, et cetera. Mm. It, it remains a necessary process. Um, and, and I suppose when I enter into a normal year, I can 
pretty much have a good feel of what sort of volume our key RFP clients will deliver in the year ahead. Yeah, very difficult right now. I mean, it's interesting you say that uh, there's a future for RFPs because quite often we hear that, that both sides are, are sort of sick and tired of them. Mm. I, I believe so. And I think if nothing else, it allow, as I said earlier, allows us to forecast. It allows the client on their side to forecast in terms of their overall spend. And, you know, if we're doing our job properly, it's to make sure that we help the client socialize the rates and the, and the rates that we put together across their business with them in partnership and, and certainly in concert with the appointed travel management company as well. Okay. And, and how do you, I mean, you mentioned sort of you have a, you normally have a grasp, a, a good idea of the volumes you can expect. How, how are you sort of responding to RFPs and negotiating those rates at the moment based on volumes, which we, we don't really know what they're going to be? Well, I, I think, you know, the last realistic volume would, would be 2019. And then it's in conversation with the client, just having a feel for if and when they see travel returning this year. A little bit of guesswork, I suppose. Mm. In the longer term, what are the group strategy or growth plans and, and where are you hoping business to be sort of, I don't know, by the end of 2022? I'd like to think by the end of 2022, we're starting to approach 2019's volumes again. I mean, that's obviously predicated on the vaccination program, as we touched on earlier. I think a level of consumer confidence, business confidence, and, you know, the fact that the, the corporate world needs to get going again. You know, and there is a need for people to sit in a meeting room and have a conversation and rather than be sitting remote from each other. Um, but our strategy is to continue to invest in our properties. I mean, we've taken the opportunity during the lockdown to complete a couple of refurbishments of our properties in Europe. Um, but also, as I said before, to, to look opportunities opportunistically for, for growth opportunities and, and to really make sure that we are aligned with the market segments that we see will be returning sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there any uh, firm plans for, for new openings at the moment? Uh, not at the moment that I can share with you right now. No. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that. Uh, Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I appreciate your input and uh, I, I wish you all the very best. Thank you, Andy. Stay safe. Good to talk to you.